The title of this message this morning is, Are You Walking Dead? Are You Walking Dead? How many of you like the zombie shows? Anybody out there? <laughs> There's some that confess to it, right? And uh, uh, the thing about the zombies is that they're coming after you, but they're so slow you can outrun them and stuff like that. I don't, I don't know. It's, there's a whole thing to it that I don't know or am not into, but I know many people are, uh, and they enjoy it. And uh, I wanted to talk to you about a real, actual group of people that are walking dead in the world that I once was one of those people. And maybe today you are one of those people, but you don't even realize that you are. And I want to be in the book of John chapter 3. And uh, this is a very familiar if you're a, a churchgoer. Um, and Jesus runs into a Pharisee who is a religious leader, and his name is Nicodemus. Let me read to you this little story here. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, who was a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. For the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. You ever read this story and wonder why Jesus answered like he did? I mean, here's this, here's how the conversation goes. Nicodemus kind of compliments Jesus, at least he thinks. He says, we know that you're a teacher who came from God. And Jesus' answer to that is not, oh, thanks, that's very kind of you. No, his answer is, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. What kind of answer is that? I mean, I'm sure Nicodemus was wondering, what in the world are you talking about? And for a long time, I wondered what Jesus, why did he just go straight to this right here? But I want you to notice, Nicodemus talks to Jesus and says this. He says, we know that you are a teacher and that you came from God. The reason Jesus addresses this to Nicodemus is because Nicodemus is saying to Jesus, look, I believe that you're a teacher, number one, and that's all, and that you not, that's, it's not that you are God, but that you came from God. And so Jesus right away is trying to help Nicodemus see who Jesus really is. Can I tell you something, church? The very essence of our Christianity begins with understanding who Jesus really is, which is why from time to time you look in Scripture and you see that Jesus just gets straight to the heart of the matter. If you don't know who he is, that he is God himself in the flesh, the Son of the living God, the Messiah of the world, if you don't know that, he's going to lead you to where you can understand and know that. So he's telling Nicodemus, he tells him, truly I say to you, you must be born again, otherwise you can't see the kingdom of God. Now, why does he say that? Do you want to know why? Because Nicodemus can't see who Jesus is because there's an important part of his life that is dead. 
There's an important part of his life that's dead and he doesn't even know it. And the reason he can't see that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God, is because when that part of your life is dead, you can't see the spiritual. You can't understand the spiritual and you certainly can't grasp the spiritual. Jesus was saying, the reason you think I'm just a teacher from God is because there's a part of you that's dead. But if you ever came to life, you would see. If you were ever born the second time, you'd have spiritual eyes so that you can see that I am the son of the living God. He said, you can't see it, you can't grasp it. There are people walking around the world today that have an important part of their life that's dead. And because it's dead, they can't see the things of God. They don't understand the things of God. They don't want the things of God because they cannot relate to the things of God. They are like walking zombies living in only two-thirds of their life, and that's what's missing from them. The reason that you don't think you need God is because the part of you that understands how desperately you need him, how much you want him, is dead. And unless you're born again, unless that part of your life is resurrected from the dead, you will never understand the joy, the goodness, the kindness, the love of who Jesus really is and what he can do in your life. Amen. That's why some people come to church and they go to church all their lives for long periods of time. And they wonder why other people at church cry and weep and are so happy and joyful and and are willing to give so much of their income and their time to the cause of Christ. They're like, what is wrong with these people? It's because they've been awoken spiritually to who God is. And because they've been awoken spiritually, they love Jesus. They understand Jesus. Their life is complete in Christ. Can you say amen to that? Jesus said, you know what? The spirit takes those who are spiritual wherever it wants to. You know what walking dead is like? It's like wandering around in the wilderness of life, not really knowing where you're going or what you even want out of life. Jesus says those who've been awoken spiritually, those who've been made alive spiritually are being led by the spirit inside of them. Those who are not awoken spiritually are being led by the flesh. He's saying your life is not going where it's supposed to go until that part of you that can lead you where God wants you to go gets woken up and brought to life. And I'm here to tell you today that if you're living a life where there's so many dead places... Like you go through relationships and as you begin into them, it seems like everything is going to be wonderful. This is the answer to your prayers. But you get into them and you realize that it didn't uh, turn out the way you wanted. It didn't fill the void in your life like you thought it would fill. And it ends up starting to look like a, this wonderful life place and ends up being just another dead end. Or maybe a career. You, you think that, listen... I I see the commercials on television and I hear people talking and they're trying to tell all of the young people and even people who are older that if you go to college and get a degree, life will be complete. And they finish the the commercial with the guy holding the degree and everyone's happy and it's like you, you dream, you think to yourself that what happens next is that they went off and got a, a job that pays half a million dollars a year and they, they met a wonderful wife and they have kids and life is perfect. But can I tell you that just because you have a degree, that is not going to answer the the need the hole inside of your life i had a friend tell me one time that he had a degree and he was working at a at a clothing store with me as a stalker and i said you know what why do you why do you work here you've got a degree why don't you go out and make more money he says you know what mylon uh thermometers have degrees and people stick those up their rear ends i'll never forget that 
Some of you got the visual going on right now. Can I tell you something? The degree is all well and good, but that's not going to fill the, the hole in your life. You, you'll, you'll go into that and you'll get through it and then you'll realize that it didn't lead you where you needed it to lead you. Because if that part of you that really matters, that part of you that truly connects to God is dead, you can't be led by the spirit where it wishes to take you. You're led by the flesh. You're led by the enemy. So let's understand how a human being works so we know what we're talking about. I talk a lot about this and I will continue to because I believe this is the key to understanding so much about your life and your Christian faith. And if you don't understand how you are as you are and why you do what you do, this is probably the key and it is spirit, soul, and body. You are made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. The body part of you is the part that you see in the mirror, right? And the soul part of you is the internal part of you that we all connect with. It's your thinking and your emotions and the stuff that we think of. When I think of who Gary is and who he is apart from his body, that's what his soul is. It connects to the world and it speaks and thinks and does all that. But there is a third part of you that if you aren't in Christ, that part of you is dead. And it is the spirit part of you. It is different than the soul part of you. And the spirit part of you is the part of you that connects to God. It's the part of you that was designed to connect to God. And we were all supposed to be born with a live, ready spirit in connection with the living God. The problem is Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, didn't he? He sinned, and the Bible says that when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, he brought death into mankind. Now, that doesn't mean that you're dead right now. Your spirit and soul are definitely alive if you're here breathing. But your spirit might be dead if you're not in Christ. And all of us who are born, we're born with a live soul and a live body, but a dead spirit because that's what Adam brought to us, which is why Jesus said, look, Nicodemus, only two-thirds of you is actually walking on the earth. There's an outside and an inside part of you, and those two things, the soul and body, is the flesh part of you. It's the natural part of you. But that part of you can't connect with God until the spirit part of you has been born. That's why you've got to be born of water and of the spirit, he said. Now, when a woman gives birth, there is water. A, a water birth is a natural birth. And when a baby is born, a child is born, the soul and the body are alive, but the spirit is dead until a person is born again. That's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. Look, there's this important part of you that's dead. And it doesn't matter how many times you've been to church or how much religion you learn. It's dead until God Almighty brings it to life. There's something you have to do, something you have to receive that only God can do for you that will resurrect that part of you. And when the spirit of you comes alive, now God lives in you and connect with you and he can lead you where you need to go. He can help you do what you need to do. He can empower your life the way it needs to be empowered. I came here this morning to let you know that if you've been walking around in sort of a dead life, there's dead ends constantly. You don't know where you're going or what you're doing. It could be that your spirit is still dead and you need a resurrection in your life. You need God Almighty to bring that important part of you to life so that you can walk in in the spirit and not in the flesh. Are you with me today? There's so much you need to understand about the spirit, soul, and the body. You see, the spirit is a part of you that connects to God. Everything that God has for you, eternal life, blessing, goodness, all of that connects to your spirit. But Jesus said you can't even grasp it or see it 
if your spirit is dead unless you've been born again, unless you've had a second birth. You don't even know it exists and you don't even know you need it. So what is it like to be the walking dead, to walk around dead in this world? I want to read to you in Ephesians chapter 2. You can turn there if you like. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead. He's talking to the church. There was a time that you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. Are you catching the picture? So there's these dead people. He's saying at one time before Christ, you were dead and you walked according to the way the world tells you you should walk. You were walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. That's a description Paul is giving of the dead life. The people who are walking around with live bodies and live souls, but their spirits are dead. It does something uh, to the way you live. It affects how you live because you can't relate to the goodness of God like you need to. Because you can't, you end up doing this. You end up walking according to the course of the world. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, the Bible says uh, in 1 John chapter 2 that the course of the world is this, that you are led by the lust of the flesh. In other words, that just means just if it feels good, do it. Isn't that the world we live in today? It's like, you know, you're only here for a little while. Just if it feels good, just do it. I mean, if it feels good to punch someone in the face, just do it. If it feels good to, you know, have an affair with your neighbor, just do it. If it feels good to rob or steal or whatever, just do it. Because it really doesn't matter. The lust of the flesh says whatever your appetite tells you to do, just consume it and have it. That's the course of the world. It says the lust of the flesh. It says the lust of the eye. That means whatever you see that you want, go get it. Go take it and have it for yourself. Take hold of it and grab it. You know, some people, a simple version of this is some people have a, a problem with, like, possessions. They need to own things. And I, I watch people and how they can overspend because they feel like they need to own something. So they might go to the store and see some little knickknack and think, oh, that's cute. And some people will look at that and go, that's neat, and then go on about their way. Other people look at that and go, I need to own that. Because they have this sort of lust in their eye that says, everything I see that I like, I need to possess. I need to control. I need to have it. And the lust of the the eye says, look at it, want it, and then take it for yourself. Go get the stuff of this world. Finally, he says, the pride of life. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. You know what the pride of life is? The pride of life is, it's all about me. I am God. Whatever I want goes. Boy, I can't tell you, we're living in a world like that now, aren't we? Holy guacamole. Everybody thinks it's just about them. In fact, we're at a point now where everybody thinks their opinion about everything is all that matters, which is why uh, somebody's always got to have something smart to say, especially on the Internet. They're not afraid to tell you their opinion. And sometimes I'm thinking, you know, that ain't your two cents worth because I wouldn't give you a penny for that opinion. 
Everybody's got an opinion about things. And, uh, you know, at least I'm, I'm looking at the book, right? At least I'm trying to tell you what God says. But we've got this mindset today that life is all about me. And I exalt myself. It is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. You know what walking dead is? It's not knowing the good things that God has for your life and simply pursuing whatever Satan dangles out in front of you. It says you're being led by the prince and the power of the air. Satan is leading the system of this world. And he is the one telling you that you need to have more possessions. You need to go after fun. You need to have all of this good stuff that the world has to offer. You need to go after fame and fortune. And you need people to respect you and look up to you. You need to have more toys than the neighbor uh, across the street. You need to have uh, the hottest woman. And if you don't like the one you got, get rid of her and get another one. And, and, And you need to have whatever you want, whatever your little heart desires. And when you get that little thing, what does he do? He dangles another thing in front of you and says, yeah, but just come after this thing. And, and the walking dead are walking aimlessly around life, pursuing the stuff of this world and, and looking for some sort of contentment and happiness. And can I tell you, the only thing worse than pursuing the stuff of this world is when you actually get it and it leaves you empty and you feel meaningless and pointless and you wonder what in the world is life really about anyway? Let me read to you a couple of quotes. Shakespeare said this, Life is but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. King Solomon said, I have seen all the works which have been done under the sun and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. What is crooked? Crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. That's pretty sad stuff right there. Do you know that when you live with that part of your life dead, and you pursue the stuff of this world, and it brings emptiness to your life, it ends up in this place of meaningless and desperation. It's like, what's the point of all this? What's the meaning in all of this? Why does it even matter? What does it matter if I live today and gone tomorrow? It leads to a point of despair and hopelessness. But can I tell you that there is hope in Jesus? Jesus didn't tell Nicodemus that you're dead and you're going to stay that way. He said you can be born again. That part of you that really matters can be brought to life. You can have a second birth. You can be born again. I remember years ago I was, uh, I was on a job site. And uh, I'd been on the same job site with a bunch of other workers and and uh, it didn't take long for them to realize I was a Christian. And somebody, I don't even remember what happened, but somebody told everybody that that old Milan guy, he's one of them that's born again. <laughs> he's born again. And I said, you better bet I am born again. You better bet I am. You see, to them, he thought being born again meant you were religious. That means you went to church every Sunday and you had a set of rules that you lived by and you didn't let your hair get too long and you, and, and you, you didn't say a cuss word. Oh my goodness, don't say a cuss word. And, and uh, you, you always behaved a certain way. It was like this box that you jumped into and you allowed these rules to pin you in. Can I tell you that being born again is not being religious? It's not about the rules. It's not about how often you go to church. It's not about any of that stuff. It's not about whether you wear the right clothes or you say the right things. It's not about your works. Being born again is not about religion. Sometimes here lately, I'll be honest with you, when there's people that I feel like I'm, I'm making an impact for the kingdom, I'm afraid to invite them to church because I don't want them to come to church 
and get into the religious side of it. You know, I don't want them to sit right here and sing the songs and change the clothes and talk with us and say the right things and never know Jesus. I don't want them to sit here dead in this pew and not know Jesus because the reason we have church is because of Jesus. Amen. This is for Jesus because of what he can do in your life, that he can bring your spirit to life. It's not a makeover either. Being born again isn't like when you decide, you know what, it's time for me to straighten up. I'm going to, I am going to go back to school. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to look right. I'm going to be kind to my wife. Amen. High five me, baby. Woo. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to just, boy, I'm going to, this is it. This is a change mark this day. I am going to really have an extreme makeover and, uh, you know, on Saturday mornings, we, me and Kathy watch those uh, home improvement makeover fixer-upper and shows like that. And it's always funny because uh, I always tell Kathy, th- that's not going to stay that way. Because, like, they'll have a big dining room table and they'll have place settings that they make. Just beautiful. It's beautiful. The only problem is that it all collects dust and no one's going to dust those every week. They're going to put that away and it's going to be an empty table. Am I right? And every time they make a living room, there's not a TV in it. And I'm like, no, mistake number one. <laughs> Well, you got to put a TV in there, right? It's, it's like they're, they're setting up life uh, for a way that you're not actually going to live. And, and listen, some of us, like, we want to have a makeover and, like, make things look new. And you can do that. You can make the flesh look new by, like, maybe talking different and dressing different and all of that. And I'm not even saying that's bad. What I'm saying is that's not what being born again is. It's not what being born again is. Being born again means that you uh, have been brought from death unto life. It doesn't mean that you belong to a group of people who think they're better than everybody else. How many of you know church folks? (laughs) I heard one someone say the other day, I'll take sinners over church folks any day. You know why? Because they've been around a bunch of church folks who think that they've like, oh, they've arrived because they've been set free or saved and and uh, if you've got that kind of pride of life attitude, I'd wonder, I'd, well, I'd talk to Jesus about it, first of all, because there's a problem, amen? That God's people ought to be full of love and not condemnation, right? Uh, being born again doesn't mean like you become a part of us and you feel like you're better than other people. It's not a group you get into. It's not a religion. It's not a personal growth plan. It is when Christ gets inside of your life and he brings what was dead back to life, amen? Hallelujah. How does one be born again? Number one, you have to accept the futility and the meaningless of this worldly system. You have to get to the end of yourself trying to find your peace and hope and happiness. Come on now. Some of you aren't there yet and you're hearing this and it's taking you one step farther, but you're not there yet. You still feel like you got a few things you want to try before you get there, before you finally say, I can't find the meaning and purpose of life on my own. You still are trying to pursue and go after it. That's okay because God's mercy has patience with it. He's waiting on you to reach that point where you finally say, you know what, God, I give up. I give up on this world's way of doing things. I give up on me being the one to decide how it's all going to turn out. I give up on that. And I desperately realize that I need something to change in my life. It is a turning away from this world system and turning to Jesus. You must turn away and you must believe in Jesus, what he said he is, who he said he is, and what he said he's done for you. Jesus said it himself that he is the son of the living God. He came to be the king of your world. Jesus told Nicodemus, look, you can't even see the kingdom of God. 
what he was saying, there's this spiritual kingdom out there, and I'm the king of it, and you're supposed to be a part of it. It's where you belong, amen? It's where you fit, but you can't even see it. But when you believe that Jesus is the son of the living God, he is the king of the kingdom, and that what he did for you is this. He lived a perfect life because you couldn't. He died on the cross to take your sin with him, and he rose from the dead so that you could be raised to new life. Can I say that again? The reason Jesus didn't just die and stay in the ground is because his resurrection means this. Because he defeated death, he can walk into your life and raise your spirit from the dead. We have been raised with Christ. Amen. Let me read it to you in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 4. You remember 1 through 3, he's talking about the ways of the world being led by Satan and the spirit and the power of the air. You were once dead in your trespasses and sin. Then verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of the works you've done so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. I came to tell you today that if you have never been born the second time, if you've never felt a transformation in your life where your spirit is brought to life, Jesus wants to bring your spirit to life. You must believe that he is and what he said is true, and you must accept what he did in your life. Accept that what Christ did for you applies to your life. Receive it. It says here, it's not anything that you can do. And it's not because you do good things or you work hard or you're a good person. Come on, we keep hearing that. Well, he was a good person. Listen, the only person that's good is God. The rest of us are knuckleheads and we do dumb things. And listen, if you haven't done it physically, you've thought about it. Ooh, I got you now, don't I? Jesus said, oh, you act like you never cheated on your wives. But if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. Woo, smack, that goes for the ladies too. Come on. We act like we got it all together, but God knows that all of us are broken and messed up and prone to do stupid, stupid things. Come on. We've been hateful. We've been angry. We've wanted to slap a somebody. Come on. Mm-hmm. Some of it was your wife or husband, wasn't it? Don't point. Keep your hands down. Oh, we've said and thought some things we shouldn't think and say. God is the only one that could. Can I tell you something to the rest of us? We need Jesus in our lives. Amen. We need him to bring that dead part of our spirit to life. And as that spirit is awoken in us, it connects us to God. This is what happens when the transformation of being born again takes place. Number one, your spirit is brought to life and it is made perfect in Christ. You know, all those scriptures that talk about a new creation and, and God's holiness and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that's because you have a perfect spirit in you. Once again, let's go back to spirit, soul, and body. So once again, before you're born, there's nothing. When you're born, you're born with a live soul and a live body, a dead spirit. And there are many people who live that way 
until the end of their life. And uh, they go into the grave and someday the judgment is coming, right? And they're going to answer for why they didn't believe. Some who become Christians, their spirit is made alive. And so uh, now they're walking with a, a perfected spirit, but a soul and body that hasn't been perfected yet. Can I tell you, your soul isn't perfect yet. In other words, your mind still stinks from time to time. It still does dumb things, right? Because it hasn't been perfected. So as Christians who've been resurrected, our spirits are alive and are perfect in Christ. The good that comes out of you starts in your spirit. In your spirit in Christ, nothing bad ever comes from that. That comes from the soul and the body, the fleshly part of your life. And so as Christians, we still are waiting for a day that our soul is perfected. And the Bible says that someday when we stand before him, we see him face to face, we shall be like he is. You see, in that moment, our thinking, our emotions will be perfected. But our bodies may still be dead. There are people in heaven right now in the presence of God who have perfected spirits and perfected souls, but their bodies are still in the ground waiting for the day that the trumpet of God sounds and the dead in Christ rise. And Paul says what was once a corruptible body, mortal and had a time limit, is going to be raised incorruptible, immortal. It will live forever, and it is in that moment that all three parts of you are going to be perfected 100%. Are you getting that? That is why you need to know spirit, soul, and body. Because as you walk as a Christian, your spirit is alive, and it is the excellent treasure in you. But that treasure is trying to flow through the flesh. It's trying to flow through your stinking mind, right? I say stinking because we think stinking stuff a lot of times. And the reason that God can't get out of you and do what he wants to is because you've got to renew your mind with the word of God. You've got to make your body do what it should do because the, the physical part of you, the, the soul and fleshly part of you, has to be shaped in such a way that the excellent treasure can flow out of it. Are you understanding, Christian? Are you understanding what I'm saying today? But if you've never been brought to life, then you're walking around just, just with a, a dead spirit and you don't even know it. And you can't receive the things of God. So as you are born again, you have a living and perfected spirit. And now you are in union with God in your spirit. That's how God lives with you and inside of you. And you know what I found? I found that as a child of God, every good thing that ever came from me came from God inside of my spirit. It's like I look back and I realize that it was God doing it anyway. It never was really me. It was just I became a vessel through which he flowed. And it's an honor and a blessing to be that. But you must always acknowledge, like when you really felt for someone and you went and spent time and loved on them, that was God, right? That was probably God working through you, amen? That's how the children of God live and understand. He is with us and living in us. So God lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us and is with us. And not only is he with us, but now we are in Christ. Oh, I'm going to get into this someday. But you need to understand this. What's more important than God living in you is that you living in Christ. Amen? In other words, your life is placed inside of him. And all that he has done is applied to you when you are in Christ. So here's what happens. When I, as a child of God, in my flesh, do things I shouldn't do, and the devil accuses me, my answer is this. You know what? That's not me because I am in Christ. 
I am in Christ, amen? And you can't accuse me if I'm in Christ. You can try it, but the blood of Jesus has already cleansed me from all sin, hallelujah. I might need to repent before my Father and change what I do. I might need to ask some people to forgive me. I might need to do that. But listen, I'm not worried about losing my salvation because of what I've done. Because I'm not in me, I'm in Christ. Come on, are you with me today? We are in union with God, and when we are born again, we begin to discover the meaning and the purpose of our lives. You were built for the pleasure and purpose of God, and you will never feel more like who you need to be until you discover how much you please God. Now, stop thinking about the stuff you do for God for just a moment. We're going to do stuff. It even says here that we were created for good works, but that's not what comes first. The, the being comes before the doing. And I promise you that if you will focus on the being, who you are, and just accept who Christ says you are, the doing will take care of itself. Come on. Come on. And just believe that you are who God says you are. And when you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, because the Bible says I am, I am holy before him. Yes, and other people and the devil will accuse you and say, well, what about you did this? And what about you said this? What about you thought that? And your answer to that is simply, listen, I believe what Jesus said about me. I'm not, uh, not going to let what I do define me. I'm going to let what he says define me, amen? And I'm the first to tell you that I don't always do what's right, but I want you to know that I am his child because he said I am his child, amen? I am in Christ, and I receive that today. I walk in who I am because of who Christ says I am. That gives my life meaning and purpose. I begin to understand my gifts and my talents and my callings. And, and really the purpose of life comes down to these two things, friends. It is to receive God's love and love him in return and to love other people as you love yourself. That's why God's got you here right now. Otherwise, he'd just take us straight to heaven, but there's a purpose for you. The world he put you in is so that you can receive and share the love of God with the people around you. Come on. Are you with me today? That's why you're here. And how you express that is a journey that you begin to understand as he brings your spirit to life. Finally, those who've been resurrected in Christ have life eternal. They are eternally in Christ. Amen? That means that Jesus said it this way, even though you die, yet shall you live. Because if you were to die today, if you were to go out and get hit by a bus or if lightning were to strike you or something was to happen, and it could happen to any of us at any time, you know this, that your perfected spirit in Christ is going to lead you straight into the presence of God in which now your soul, your thinking, your emotions, your internal parts is going to be perfected. And you just wait in the presence of Jesus until the day that the trumpet sounds and he sends your spirit and soul back into your body and raises you out of the ground. Is anybody with me today? Hallelujah. Are you receiving this today? Glory to his name. Glory to his name. And you will be with him forever. It's not a temporary thing. It is forever. It is forever. It is forever. Hallelujah. There's only one problem with all of this. Here's the problem. You may be thinking this. How in the world are we supposed to know we need God when our spirits are dead and we can't even see or grasp the kingdom of God? How does that work? Well, the old timers called it conviction. And then you can find words like that in the Bible. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. But I want to read to you a, maybe a more uh, easier understood verse to help you grasp what is happening and how God can change 
our lives. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians chapter 5, 13 and 14. You can turn there if you like. It says, but all things become visible when they are exposed to the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. You can't see anything unless there's light on it, right? Darkness is just the absence of light. But when the light is put on, that's when you begin to see. Jesus is speaking spiritually now. He's saying, look, when I turn the light on, you'll be able to see stuff you've never seen before. Are you catching that? You catching that? For this reason, it says, awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Hallelujah. You know what happens? You know what conviction is? It's when a person is dead, and, and you know what a defibrillator is? You've seen the, the ER shows, and someone's dead, and the line, it's flat, and uh, they get that paddles, and they rub the gel on them, and they put them on there, and they say, clear, and boom. And there's a little spike, and it doesn't happen the first time because that's not dramatic enough, right, for television. So they got to do it again, boom, and there's another spike. And, and, and if the story is supposed to end that they come back to life, then their heart begins beating again, and that shock brought them back to life. You know what's happening spiritually when you receive the light in your life? It's like God is shocking your spirit to life so that you can recognize your need of him. Come on, are you catching that? There are two paddles. It is the word of God. People do not receive Christ without the word of God. Come on now. If we don't have the Holy Scripture to teach us, then everybody's just wandering around making up whatever they think God is. But it is the word of God that is power in life. And the word of God is mixed with the spirit. When the Holy Spirit and the Word of God come together, God shocks your dead heart. That's why there are times when you're listening to a Christian song and maybe you haven't given your life to Christ, but all of a sudden something wakes up inside of you and you begin to feel something because God is shocking your spirit and awakening you. The light is shining on you so that you can do this, so that you can make a decision. Do I believe or do I not? Am I walking into Jesus or am I not? Am I going to receive him or am I not? Some of you today are feeling that shock in your spirit today. You're feeling a tug in your spirit depth inside of you in a place maybe you've never felt before. And that is God awakening your spirit so that you can respond to this call today. It's God awakening your spirit so that you can see that you need him. And today, right at this moment, you have a choice. You can choose to believe. And if you believe, God will cause your spirit to come to life, never to be dead again. Or you can reject God. You can reject Christ. You can reject the spirit's calling, and you go back into a state of being dead until the next time God shocks your heart. Are you hearing me today? This is your hour of opportunity. This is your opportunity to receive Christ. So I want to know today, if you're in the house and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I feel it. I feel like the light has shined on a place of me that's been dead and I've never saw it before. But somewhere inside, I know that the things you're saying are what I need. And it isn't that you necessarily understand it all. And it's not going to always make sense in your head because God is bigger than your head. He's bigger than your thinking. And sometimes you just got to trust that place inside of you and take a leap of faith. 
And today, maybe you'd say, Pastor, I want to take a leap of faith. I want to believe in Jesus. I want that dead part of me brought to life so that I can be led not by the stuff of this world. I'm tired of chasing endless, meaningless stuff that has no purpose and no pleasure. And I want what God created me for. I want to be led by the Spirit. And I want to be brought to life. What do I need to do? What do I need to do? You need to turn away from living for the world. Turn away from I'm the king of my world. Turn away from the stuff of this world and turn to Jesus. And believe that Jesus is the son of the living God. I want you to just take a moment. And in your heart and with your mouth say it. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I believe Jesus is the son of God. Can I tell you something? There's been people that ask me from time to time, you really believe all that Bible stuff? And I'm like, I absolutely do. And they often respond, sounds like a bunch of hooey to me. That's because you're dead in your spirit and you can't see and you can't grasp the things of God. You have to believe that he's the son of God. You've got to believe that he died on the cross for your sin and he rose again so that you could live forever. Take just a moment. In the depths of who you are, I believe, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. I believe he died and when he died, he took the punishment for my sin. I believe that. Say it out loud. Say, I believe that he died for my sin, that he rose again that I might have new life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe it. I believe it. Not so much in here, maybe at first, but in here I believe it. Hallelujah. It might take a while for it to get up here, but, but like for starters, I believe it in the depths of my spirit. Hallelujah. And, and next I want you to do this. I want you to believe and receive that gift. Jesus' life is a gift to you. And the way you receive it is just to receive it. Just say, let what Jesus did and who he is be applied to my life. Just take a moment in the depths of who you are. And don't think about how bad you've been or how good you've been. Just let all that go because that doesn't matter. Just believe. I receive and accept what Jesus did as applied to my life. I accept what he did as applied to my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. From the depths of who you are, say it out loud. I accept what Jesus did, and it is applied to my life. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now, there's a fourth thing I want you to do. I want you to just rest. I want you to just rest in that. You don't, you don't have to, like, be good. You don't have to, like... Stop things. Don't worry about that. God will take care of anything like that that needs to happen later on. God will take care of that from the inside of you. Amen. So don't go home and start measuring your sin and judging how good you've been today. Don't, don't start getting into the religious stuff. Come to church because you want to get close to Jesus. Pray because you want to talk to God. Read the word because you want to see what the Bible says about him and you want to learn about him. And just rest in that. Relax. You can be you and be alive in Christ. I want all of those of you who are here with me today, I want you to just stand to your feet at this time, and I want us to just praise our Savior. 
I want us to just express our love for him today. Hallelujah, God. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Would you raise your hands and just express with your voice, with your words, with your heart.